Hello, welcome back to Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano, and today we have another new guest host. Please welcome Chris Mosby. Well, hello. Nice to be here. Nice to have you. And just like Murray from last episode, Chris hails from the Tales from the Long Box podcast. Yes, been going for, I don't know, what, five, six years now? Something like that? A couple, 200, yeah. 250-ish epi- episodes. Oh, that's right. I was about to say 150, but no, you guys are past 200. Yeah, yeah, we, we've we been putting them out there for a while. Yeah, I remember you guys just started it. Yeah, yeah. Like it, beginning of the new 52, I think. Yes, that's what got me started it, uh, started again. I was, you know, a whole new universe excited, and it, you know, of course, didn't end up. Is as uh, great as we'd hoped it would, but uh, that's what got got the idea started. So, yeah. Well, just in case anyone forgot from last episode, give them a quick overview of what the show is about. All right. No, no, no I'm saying you give them a, sh- a quick overview of what your show's about. Oh, what my show's about? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Just they, that's okay. Just in case they forgot from Murray saying it last time. Yeah, I was muting all the computers because I didn't want any sounds coming in. <laughs> <laughs> Making sure my phone was muted, so I didn't understand what you meant. My bad. That's cool. Our 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 show. Um, basically, we started it when the new Fifty Two was out, and with the explosion of comicsology, uh, people a lot of people could be exposed to comic books more than ever before. Uh, and I've been reading them literally. I guess you could say before I I could read because that's how I learned to read was from comic books. Uh, my parents would, I, my dad would take me to what was called a newsstand back in the day and buy me a couple, and I ended up learning how to read, uh, from that. Uh, so when, when the new 52 came out and Comixology, DC signed on and Marvel signed on, it was like, okay, this is, this is big. I'd like to talk about it. And I've always been a fan of the Legion podcast, uh, Legion Substitute Podcasters. And we would all were followers of them, and Caleb and I got together, and then later on, Murray, and we kind of just do, we don't have a theme kind of like the Legion podcast, but uh, we just do whatever comic we uh, think about, and sometimes it's five minutes before we podcast, we say, hey, let's do this. Um, sometimes it's random. Uh, we actually <laughs> was rolling dice and uh, um, using a... A, a chart of uh, publishers and title names. To oh, do is that something. how you're picking some of your random ones? Yeah, we did that for a while. We I call them random reads, and that's exactly what we, we do. Yeah, and I then, remember when you like it was like wasn't anyone picking specifically? Just kind of like yeah. okay, this is random book we're gonna read. Yeah, Caleb would have had some kind of thing figured out, and he'd roll a, a dice or flip a coin or whatever, and then. You know, okay, it's W today and DC and blood, and we go from there. So, which which was fun for a while. Then um, I started this new job of having, you know, it's been we've been a little bit um, have to put a lot of uh, episodes that are reruns up, but you know that that sometimes it happens. So yeah, well, life. I mean, yeah, hey, I was actually talking. Uh, John Wilson, and I was supposed to record yesterday. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't able to. He actually was having some – feeling a little sick. He had some, his sore throat. Yeah. And he was feeling bad about it. I'm like, look, dude, like we like doing this, but this is a past, like a hobby. Like yep. Yep. life, you know, family, 
kid, you know, wife, you know, spouse, whatever, kids, pets, home stuff, work, health. That's kind of the pre- that's kind of the uh, that's first. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yep. You know, I mean, unless this becomes something where you're like, hey, this is my livelihood. I make a job. This is my living. Yes. Then that's a different exactly. story. But yeah. until then. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. That's that would be that would be uh, that that was one of my goals for a while is to get paid to read comic books. But you know, that just does just didn't work out. <laughs> oh yeah, well that's an awesome goal to have. <laughs> yeah. If you figure out a way, let me know. Yeah, yeah, I definitely will. Write, yeah, write a book about it or something. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Yeah, it would. that's a seminar I would attend. Yeah, how yeah, to get paid to read comics? Ooh, yeah. how I do. Well, be Peter. I think it was a Peter Sanderson in the early '80s. So the you know trying to chronicle everything for DC so they could yeah. uh, do Crisis. Yes, exactly. And who's who? It's like read every book we've ever published. It, it's, it's funny. I've been kind of I've been watching Twitch for uh, recently. I've even thought about doing some Twitch streaming and play some games and you know live broadcast it. I've got it all set up, but I've been watching other streamers just to kind of see uh, how they do things and the ones that are really popular, how they do their stuff. And you know, I play games all the time. I might as well uh, let everybody watch. I mean, you know, who knows when what come out of it? Do, do it in part time and. A lot of the ones I've been watching, that's all they do is they just stream games. Oh, wow. And people subscribe to the channels like Five Bucks a Shot or Donate Money. And um, I've seen some of them get tips of two, $300 a shot. Um, I mean, I, I doubt I could ever make as much money as I do at my job, but it sure would, you know, if you could get extra money out of it, that would be great. Yeah, hey, if you can make, if you're somebody who can make even like an extra 100 bucks a month. Yeah, exactly. That's and 100 bucks, I mean, hey. It's like, I'm already, I play games all the time anyway, so, you know, why not? I get paid. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of comics, okay, so, we're doing a Bronze Age issue of Daredevil. Yes. Because they decided that is the perfect title to tie into this whole Thanos war. Because mm, that makes sense. Of course. <laughs> but it's Steve Gerber writing it, so that that is the part that fits. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. So, my question is now... Let's start off at the beginning. How okay? This is a Marvel book, and I know obviously you guys started the, the your show because of DC's New Fifty Two. So, yeah. how much Marvel is in your background, the, or is it just whatever random issues you read for the show, or more mostly like that? I was always, I've always been a big DC fan, and I'm trying to, to bone up on it more. Uh, one of the things that's really helped uh, those, some of those omnibuses, omnibuses they put out. Those are usually pretty expensive, but the Essentials, uh, no, not Essentials, the Epic uh, Collections. Yeah, the Essentials were what they did before, and now it's the Epic Collections. Basically the same thing, I think. Those things are awesome. Uh, I've got, I'm trying to get all of them. I've got a good, good chunk of them. Um, And most of what I've learned, I've learned from there. I have one Daredevil, I think, I haven't read it yet. I think it's got the Typhoid Mary's thing from the 90s or is that the late 80s i don't a little bit of both yeah um and i've read some of the stuff uh online a little bit my biggest exposure to daredevil is mark wage run because you know if you've ever listened to the bar that's right i'm a big huge fan and almost fanboy well yeah i'm a big fanboy um, his run was awesome. I really enjoyed it, and that's probably that's the most Daredevil I've ever read. I would have yeah. to say. And I actually haven't had a chance to read that yet. I'm planning on it. 
But it, that actually does tie into this this era of that we're covering a bit because he's back in San, he was back in San Francisco for one of those runs. Oh, that's right, he was. And this yep. is during the first time he was in San Francisco. Yeah, I remember him mentioning it that they were there for a while, and he still had um, he still had a license to practice law in California. So yeah, okay. Now, so we got Daredevil down. What about Thanos and or Adam Warlock, since they're kind of the title characters of our show? Now, believe it or not, Thanos I know a lot more about. Uh, Jim Starlin's another one of my favorite uh, writers slash artists, and he's done a lot of. Of course, he's the creator of Thanos, and yep. he does a lot of. I don't. Is he Adam Warlock too? Creator? I, no, Adam Warlock actually so. is one. Is a, actually just come from the Silver Age. It was from Stan and Jack. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, I've been reading a lot of stuff that he's he's done lately, especially. Um, I love the Infinity Gauntlet. I read some of the other ones after that. Uh, Starlin has put out those uh, original graphic novels that were about Thanos. I've got through the first one about halfway through the second. Yes. And okay, yes, I have. Yeah, I have the first one. I still think it's the second. We did. We actually, we one of my co-hosts actually spent five episodes covering that first original graphic novel. And it was pretty good. Uh, even, uh, see, I read uh, Thanos versus Hulk, which ties into to it a little bit. Let's see. And there was a, there's a one about Adam Warlock that takes place between the second and third graphic novel. Oh, the miniseries, Infinity. Yes. Infinity. Yeah, we're gonna. Yes. Yeah, I have to read that still. We're gonna be covering that eventually. Yeah, I got the trade of that, and I've got all the digitals because I, I just I, Jim Starlin's awesome. I'm a big fan of his. Um, a lot of his creator-owned work I've read more than any of his Marvel stuff, but I bought. They put out a uh, Adam Warlock. Uh, definitive collection trade and a Infinity Watch collection volume one. I have those. Oh, I mean, okay. mean, uh, mean to uh, bone up on my Marvel for that. So, yeah. Uh, well, that yeah, his Warlock stuff is definitely worth it. Mm-hmm. And um, as of course, since you're fine with the digital, Mar- if you ever have a chance, you know, trust me, Marvel Digital Unlimited, worth it. Yeah, I've thought about it before. Completely worth it. They keep adding more and more things. I mean, I can basically read at least the first two, three hundred issues I know straight through of like Fantastic Four, for instance. Oh, there you go. I mean, there's a good chunk. There's titles I have a good chunk of, and if they don't, ha- they keep adding stuff. Um, mm-hmm. They were missing a bunch of stuff from Daredevil from around this time period, and when I checked the other day, actually, they had a lot of them up now. Oh yeah. So they're putting always putting more stuff up. So yeah, I that's where like most I- of my Marvel reading is done. Is just. <laughs> Well, that's interesting. You know, I, I thought about that because I think I got to think. I I sub on that for when it, right when it first came out, and I have it looked back at it. I think I got to think from them for a, a dollar trial or something. I might try it again. Yeah, it works okay. out to be roughly ten bucks a month, or it's like seven, like right now, like sixty or seventy for the. I think like seventy for the year. Yeah, that's not bad. So I mean, if you if you consider reading them, you know, the cost of a book, let's say a dollar a book, even. Mm-hmm. It's still not doesn't work out like you know you could read like thirty books in a month and you're like I would have spent thirty bucks. That's true. Or that's a good I idea. Spent nothing. Yeah. Let's you know see. I spent the ten and that's it. So that, that's you know, how I do most of my stuff reading for Marvel. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I need. I, I want to read more of that kind of stuff because I I think the only thing I really read was Spider Man and all and the X Men stuff when I was a kid. Which I is on some- there too. Yeah, I got I got started on X Men uh, when they did the 
Teen Titans and X-Men crossover. That was the first time I saw ever saw the X-Men, and I started reading it right after that. Oh, so that's, yeah, you were earlier than I was. I started X-Men with uh, 227, mm-hmm. which was yeah. the episode, issue where they died in Dallas, and then they went to they went to Australia. Right, yes, I remember that era. That's, um, that's covered in, um, I think, the X-Men omnibus. There's two of them. I still need the second one. But that era is in that. I had at one point got so mad at Marvel that I like sold or traded every single Marvel issue I had almost. <laughs> and I still regret getting rid of my Uncanny X-Men run because I really would like to see that stuff again. Oh, yeah, especially that, that – clear. Yeah, for me personally, issues 129 to 227 is still like a perfect run of X-Men. Like it's almost every issue is awesome. Like, from the very beginning of that Dark Phoenix story to the end of When They Die. Yep. It's like, there's almost not an issue that I can't reread still again, even though I've read them like a dozen times. Yeah, I had a complete run for a long time. And and that and Wolverine, it just, I don't know, just at one point, the 90s stuff, and we all know, the 90s wasn't, I mean, there was some good stuff, but the 90s wasn't exactly the best era of comics, depending on what you're talking about. Well, my theory on the 90s is that because things were doing so well, there was such a boom there's so much stuff out there that oh yeah you got so much more stuff out there you're gonna have the same ratio let's say of good stuff to crap it's just now you have a lot more of it so you know instead of like you know 10 crappy things and four good ones you got now 40 crappy things and 16 good ones yeah exactly it's the same as before it's just now there's so much more out there Mm-hmm. oh absolutely because for every bad series out there there was you know a star man yeah that's true. Yeah. Or, you know, a couple of, I can't, well, I'm trying to think of things right now, but there was plenty of good stuff then, too. Uh, Mark Wade's yeah. run on Flash. Oh, yeah. Well, I've got all those. I was reading that. That's when I first got really hooked on Wade. Yeah, that um, first that first one, the the year one he did. Yes, exactly. While he was a kid? Yes. One of the, yeah, that's one of my, that's one of my favorites. I, I'm, I still need to get one of the issues back. I, we had a pipe. I had somebody come over to fix the sink. And in the kitchen, and it was directly over where I had the comics at. And when they were unclogging the drain, they inadvertently broke a pipe in the uh, ceiling of my office. And I come down after I was upstairs for like an hour afterwards cleaning up and come down and it, it got all on the ceiling and poured down. And like a whole box got soaked. Ooh. I lost – I didn't lose near as many as I could have, but I lost a lot of hardcovers. Oh. Uh, I lost, uh, let's see, I don't know, six or seven volumes of, of Walking Dead and some other stuff, but nothing real. I had just moved the really, really hard-to-find stuff away from that spot, or I would have lost that. You know, stuff like Absolute Kingdom Come and things like that. At least oh. the Walking Dead are easy to you know come by. Yeah, yeah, the reprints so, and everything. Yeah, yeah. I, I ended up getting all. I've eventually got all those back, so I've got like all twelve volumes at the right now. So, oh, that's good. Yeah, but yeah. Like, like every bad, you know. So, oof, that's bad to have that stuff happen. But yeah, like the yeah. Ideas, you know, not everything. I mean, for every electric Superman story, which might have been okay, yeah. but it wasn't most people's interest. There exactly. was Alan Moore Supreme. Yeah, yeah. Which there you go. If you had no other Superman to read, trust me, that was worth it. For that was a good Superman. Yeah, I've seen some of those issues. Uh, 
And I've heard a lot about it, but I've never read them. Oh, yeah, it's him basically making the Silver Age Superman and, like, fitting it into the modern age, kind of. That's what I thought. I, that's what I thought I'd seen, because I remember seeing pictures of him, you know, kneeling down with a super pup or something like that. Radar. Uh, Radar, is that what they call it? Oh, that's cool. Radar the Hound Supreme. <laughs> Jeez, that was my nickname in high school. <laughs> that's no, pretty yeah. funny. Yeah, I read a thing he did where he, they put out there where it was just like a whole, like, pages he just wrote written of, like, his plans for books. Yeah. Like, wow. Supreme and Youngblood. They put out, and basically he was like, we're going to take this bad Superman ripoff and make it the best Superman ripoff. Jeez. Well, I mean, hey, that, that works. Yeah, it did. But, yeah, so, anyway. I'll have to trace that down somewhere and take a look. Yeah, I've I've been picking up um, things like that that I never did read, like Savage Dragon. I mean, it's still going on. I've got some uh, archives that I got at a convention. Um, there, it's yeah. all black and white reprint prints, but I got them real cheap. So, and then I picked up like a third volume on eBay. So I, I need to go through that and read it too. Yeah, and hey, it's, I mean, he's still doing it himself, and he's still actually just—it's not just the same thing. You know, stuff happens in that book. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of it. Um, I think like his son is the main character now. I think maybe. Yeah, I think so. It's been a while since I read it, but. Yeah, I mean, I have a couple of random issues, and you know, I read like the original miniseries, and I have like the trade where he meets God. Yeah, yeah. See, I started out with the with some of those trades, and then I found out that the archives is a little bit cheaper. So, usually, yeah, yeah, usually depends on where you get them from. All right, so what we're gonna do now is we're gonna pause for a second, and we're gonna throw in the synopsis here. Okay. And then that way everyone knows what's going on, and then we can just talk about the issue. Okay. Ramble on about that sucker. Okay. All right. Daredevil 106. Life Be Not Proud. Had a cover price of 20 cents, and the date was December 1973. The original on-sale date was August 28th, 1973. Writer, Steve Gerber. Artist, Don Heck. Inks by Sal Trapini. Letters by Shelley Lefferman. Colorist, George Rousseau. Edited by Roy Thomas. And the cover art, depending where you look, was either done just by John Romita Sr. or by Rich Buckler and John Romita Sr. In Moondragon's underwater base, we start our story with Daredevil, a.k.a. Matt Murdock, holding her lifeless form as he asks her killer why. Her killer is none other than Kirwin Broderick, San Francisco's most respected lawyer and Matt's boss. As for why, because she stood in the way of his empire. Karen explains that the creature Terex, as well as the Dark Messiah, who is currently creating a force field around the city, Ramrod, and Angar the Screamer, are all his agents to bring the city under his control. He explains to Daredevil that with his underworld connections, as well as bribes to elected officials, he has virtually ruled San Francisco for years, until Daredevil and the Black Widow showed up. Then he met Moondragon. She was looking for an honorable man to assist her against Thanos, and bought his publicity. He realized that instead of helping her against someone who wanted to conquer the entire planet, he could use her technology to become king of San Francisco. Daredevil goes to stop him, but is shot with the leftover charge from the ray gun he used on Moondragon. Outside, Terex displays his power as he gestures and plant growth goes wild, and he's also able to drain the life out of a nearby police officer. As he walks through the city, Terex is draining the ground beneath him and absorbing that power. 
Back underwater, a confused Daredevil wakes up and realizes that he can still hear a faint heartbeat from Moondragon. He theorizes that she has such control over her body that she was able to use her immune system to save herself. As a lawyer, we can assume his medical knowledge is good enough to take this as fact. He brings her to her lab, where she says Regenesis treatment can save her. In the lab, she needs Daredevil to turn the yellow dial, which he can't see because he is blind. And instead of just telling him, hey, it's the biggest dial on the panel, which it was, she uses her telepathy to cure his blindness. You know, the blindness that was caused by toxic chemicals being splashed into his eyes. This also makes the red lenses that were over his eyes vanish, and that makes as much sense as a cure, so why not? Now both healed, Moondragon and Daredevil use her teleporter to head into town. Joining the Black Widow, they take on the Dark Messiah, and Moondragon uses her, uses her mental abilities to remove the science that she used to give him his powers, turning him back into a normal man. Having realized during the fight that his reactions were off because of the differences in sensory input between radar sense and sight, Daredevil asks Moondragon to remove his sight. She restores the chemical damage done to his eyes, as well as the lenses over them, and increasing his radar sense. Together with the Widow, they take on Ramrod. And when I say they, I really just mean Black Widow and Daredevil because Moondragon just sits there. Until Broderick arrives with Terex. This issue has been reprinted in Essential Daredevil Volume 5, The Avengers vs. Thanos trade paperback, and can be found digitally on Comixology and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. In fact, I think we should record a promo about all the changes to the Fire and Water Podcast Network happening this year. What do you think, Rob? That's a great idea. We can mention the new folks joining the network and all the shows. I can talk about how we'll continue with our Aquaman and Firestorm show, and I want to be sure to plug my movie show, The Film and Water Podcast. What about you, Ryan? Oh, I think we should definitely record a promo. I'll mention how the Secret Origins Podcast is joining the Fire and Water Network, and then I'll introduce my newly relaunched shows, Give Me Those Star Wars and Power of Fishnets, The Black Canary and Zatanna Podcast. Sound good to you, Chris? Absolutely. I'll mention the show I record with my lovely wife, Cindy, Supermates, the husband and wife geekcast. We should probably also mention the Power Records podcast Rob and I do, too. What about you, Siskoid? Well, sure. I can talk about my ensemble show, The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, and my new upcoming shows about the DC Comics crossover event, Invasion, and yes, Oh Hot Moo. Shag, you think we should mention Hero Points, the most occasional DC Heroes role-playing podcast? Sure, why not? And I can talk about Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe, and mention my new upcoming show, Justice League International, Wahaha Podcast. Now, here's what I'm thinking. When we record, I'm fine being the first person talking. I can explain all the changes to the Wait network. a minute, wait a minute, wait. Why do you get to start the promo? I'm just as much of a part of this as you are. It was my idea to create the Fire and Water podcast back in 2011. I should start off this promo. I kind of think it should be one of the new voices who kick off the promo. It'll shock the listener into attention if it's not Rob or Shag. Cindy and I make up two people in the network. Plus, you know, ladies first, so we should be the first people talking on the promo. Ben voyons donc. You have what? got technology. Stop it. You're like boys with toys. 
Let's just make this simple. We can tell the folks at home the Fire and Water Podcast Network is growing in 2016. Several new shows are joining the network. We'll have a new dedicated website, a Twitter account, and Facebook page. And folks will be able to subscribe to each individual show or all of them. See, now was that so hard? The Fire and Water Podcast Network. Available soon through iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and fireandwaterpodcast.com. Seriously, Shag, you had to get the last word, didn't you? And we're back. All right. I love the magic of editing. Yes, it is nice, isn't it? So, Daredevil 106. Or actually, according to the cover, Daredevil and the Black Widow. Yes. Kind of like a Marvel team-up or something. Yeah, or a permanent Marvel team-up for at least like two years, I think. Yeah, that's right. I forgot he dated her. Yeah, I mean, this is a little bit more than dating. I mean, she yeah, well, she actually got a cover. Ooh, yeah, that's true. She actually got her name on the cover and everything. I mean, yeah. Beyond Wonder Woman, at this time, I don't think any of the well, how many female title you know had the cover. That's true. I'm sure that didn't happen very very often. I mean, I know Marvel started in the 70s and tried to do it. Like, they had a little push where they tried to get a couple female characters up, like Night Nurse and the Cat. Oh, Night Nurse, that's right. I remember seeing a cover for that somewhere. Those had their... They they all lasted, like, four or five issues, and that was it. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as, you know... And obviously, I'm not talking, like, you know, there was Betty and Veronica, for instance. Well, yeah, true. Or Patsy and Heidi, or Millie the Model. But as far as we're talking, you know, Marvel and DC superhero-type books... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beyond Wonder Woman, I can't think of anyone who had their own, any female ca- superheroines who had their own t- title. Uh, Supergirl, but that was way later, though. Oh, yeah, sure, there was a Supergirl book. I don't, I don't remember that until the 80s, though. There might have been one before that. She did have one that lasted like 10 issues in this in the Bronze Age, but I'm not sure if yeah. it was before or after this. Yeah, exactly. I think that's when she was... I can't remember if she either was on this TV, she was on a TV show or she was in college again. Yeah. Every new series of hers or reboot of every five years, they like change her whole life around, I know. Yeah, that's true. But, okay, so, this cover, uh, I don't know, I, I don't think doing cover shots for between people's legs, crotch shots, is a great idea. No. And- that's just my thought. It, yeah, and it's got it's got the one of my pet peeves on it is speech balloons on the cover. Well, that happened a lot back then. Yeah, I, it doesn't bother me as much then, but if I see that, so right about here is where we hit a snag. You see, I'm taping this show on my laptop, and my laptop has a bit of a bad battery. And when I say bad battery, I mean unless the laptop's plugged in, it doesn't work. And this is right at the point when my dog decided, hey, look at this cord coming from the computer. This is what I want to roll around in and pull out of the computer. So that kind of stopped everything real quick. Now, luckily, all I had to do was plug it back in and turn the computer back on. And I was able to get back on the call of Chris. So we are now going to go back into the show as we started recording again. (sighs) See, puppy, this is why dogs don't podcast. Laptop is about at least seven, eight years old. 
Oh, okay. So I now I'm trying to look into whether I should buy it because the battery is not is die is pretty much dead. It only works if it's plugged in. If it's not plugged yeah. in, it there's no charge at all. Oh, uh, okay. I'm trying to look to see whether it's worth it to buy a battery or to replace it. And the dog, of course, was like, oh, I'm going to lay here on this power cord. I'm going to roll over and, oh, look, it pulls it out. Yeah, there you go. I'm like, damn it, puppy. You're killing me here, doggy. You're killing me. Because <laughs> then I had to, like, boot up the whole computer or start over again. Yeah. Although I checked at least everything is still in the in the log. The record's there, so at least everything from before is there. Yeah. So. Okay, so let's start over again with what you were saying. So you were saying that you don't like... Word balloons on the covers, although yeah, those are okay. Yeah, it, I don't know. It just bugs me. Um, it does. I, I mean, I don't mind it on these old ones, but you're right. I mean, like, if I see it on something new, it makes it look dated. Unless they're trying to go for, like, hey, we're pretending this book came out in 1972. Yeah, and it and it, it kind of makes it silly a little bit. Um, and, you know, if it's something really serious, then I, I don't think it should be on there, but... That's really the only reason. It just makes it – it reinforces the Bam, Biff, Kapow, uh, Batman of the 60s thing to me. Gotcha. Yeah, Which, I can't uh, argue with that. We st- we're still recovering you know, from that in yeah. some, some degrees. It's still on articles about comics. You'll still see that in the headline. Yeah, I hate that when I see that. It aggravates me. It's like, I like the show, but it's like, the show is over 50 years old. I'm like, yeah, I you know. can stop referencing it now. Yeah, that was probably the first television show I saw on cable. Yeah, which is kind of a funny story. Uh, one of the reasons I I, I kind of have uh, the love for Batman in my blood. Uh, I've told this on the podcast before. When my mom and dad were dating uh, back in the '60s, my dad would have to wait till that Batman show. Was oh over. yes, go on. That's right. But I know what <laughs> yeah. you're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Have to wait till that Batman show was over before they could go. And if he came, you know, if he came early, and Batman was still on, well, he had to wait till it was over. Gotta uh, wait. And then, then they'd go out. So that's that's how far back it goes, even before my parents were married. That's they right. got they got they got married in '66. So that so, worked. Yeah, perfect yeah. timing. Yeah, that's right. Year. I, remember that, I remember hearing that story. I just I couldn't remember. I I knew that story. I just couldn't remember who it was that said it. Yeah, out of all the. 80,000 podcasts I listen to. That's yeah. right, that's you. Their uh, 50th anniversary is this December, too, so. Oh, wow. Yep. Still married. Not Doesn't happen very often in this day and age, that's for sure. No, yeah, my parents are on 42 years. There you go. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 42 years. That's great. I had to check to make sure. The, <laughs> to yeah, I know what something. you mean. <laughs> and the sad thing is, all I have to do is take my age and add one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's like you'd think that's simple enough. Yeah, I, I was, I'm a couple was a couple years old. Uh, I was like, they, they had me like four years after they got married. So yeah, five years. <laughs> yes, because I'm 45 now, so that makes sense. You're like, wait, what year was I born again? Hold yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let me figure out go. this. Yeah, I I miss when the days of how long ago was I born? Well, let's see. I can figure that out with my hands, maybe my toes. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and now it's like I need a calculator. Yeah, and I right before you the call dropped, uh, I was talking about the when the, this comic came out. I was probably about two years old. Oh yeah, this is pre me. Yeah, like two years, pretty much. 
Yeah, I think I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, I, I like Spider Man. I had a lot of Spider Man comics, and I didn't do X Men until the eighties. Uh, I don't know why I never looked looked at Daredevil. I know I, I like the character a lot now, especially after the TV show because that TV show is awesome. Oh yeah, I love I, I love Foggy in that show. He's my favorite. Oh yeah, he's great. He's great. I, I so I would so love them to do something along the lines of well, I mean, not specifically this story, but. Until you give her a movie, bring Scarlett Johansson on the show. Let her be on first oh. season. Oh Lord, yes. That would be. That would just be awesome. Yeah, it would be. I, w- I was thinking about that when we were, I was looking at the cover, actually. To how great that would be to have her on there because I think she's awesome too. And in many ways, his be- not just his equal like Electro was, but his superior. Oh, I would say I would say so, yeah. And definitely the movie TV version. You know, yeah. even more so than the comic one. Definitely the movie TV Black Widow is she can kick his ass. Yeah, yeah. But that's what makes it awesome. That would make it cool. But anyway, so yeah, so yeah. But I've noticed from all doing these series that a lot of all these Bronze Age ones I'm doing, mm-hmm. there's at least a minimum of two caption boxes or word balloons per cover, if not more. Oh, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. They'll throw random ones on there just for the hell of it. It looks like. Yeah. And also, what? so besides that and the fact that, like I said, I don't think a from the crotch shot is a good idea. No, no. What the hell is Ramrod doing? Is he crawling? Like, is there some kind of kinky little thing going on between him and Terex? Because that looks a little, there's just something off there. Yeah, and, you know, I, I question the, the choice of the name Ramrod in the first place. And he's, plus that costume. Yeah, what? Yeah, that's which me and Murray were very entertained by last episode. Yeah, that's pretty funny. I mean, that like, is pretty funny. It's what we call it. It's like pants and a metal dicky. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And he's a cyborg. Okay, that's apparently what I found out this issue because I haven't read the previous ones. Okay. Um, I mean, previously the storyline was that apparently Daredevil had been facing these three enemies: Dark, uh, Angar the Screamer. The Dark Messiah and Ramrod at different points in the last like five or six ish episodes, and then it turned out he finds out right around here that they're all connected. Okay. And that has to do with Moon Dragon. But since these three issues are the only ones that actually involve Moon Dragon and Thanos himself, yeah, these are the only ones recovering. I mean, maybe at some point in the future I'll go back and cover those ones, but yeah, that was just that would be way too much meandering, even for this show. Yeah. But so I found out from reading these three that Ramrod's a cyborg, and I'm looking at him. And I'm going, really? Like, huh. and it's funny, actually, I'm thinking about, I was thinking about it earlier, because he, he looks more, he looks like a cyborg, like Steve Austin looked like a cyborg. Yeah, he does. Not like Victor Stone, cyborg. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. And it's, it's funny, it's like, in the 70s, basically, it looks like in comics and TV shows, we're like, yeah, we're going to be so good at doing these things, you won't even notice that they're cyborgs. <laughs> and then you get later on, and nowadays, like, someone's a cyborg, you you're like, yeah, you're a cyborg, because I can see friggin' metal parts all over your body. Yeah, exactly. I guess this is maybe part of this thinking, like, the year 2000, this is probably still the point in time where they thought the year 2000s would be like the Jetsons. Yeah. Flying cars and going to the moon on a regular basis. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, they're gonna be, yeah, like, that's gonna be believable, because, you know, by 20, you know, that's futuristic, because in 20, 30 years, cyborg, everyone's gonna be a cyborg. Yeah, I can see that. So overall, what did you think of the issue? Let's jump through that part real quick, Ben. It it kind of seemed all over the place. I and he seems 
Daredevil seems real out of place dealing with these kind of characters. They're like you said in the cosmic. Yeah. Um, it's kind of hard. Well, I know enough about Moon Dragon to know she's somewhat cosmic because she she's a human that was raised by the Titans, right? Yes. That's the Titans. Uh, yeah, a Titan. That's right. Like yep, on the planet. Yeah, on the moon of on the moon of Saturn, Titan. That's right. The same bunch that uh, Thanos was from. Yeah, and then later on in the third in a thousand years, it'll learn telepathy. So it all works. But the uh, the the bad guys. I mean, okay, you got a guy that can grow things, which is basically chlorophyll kid. Yeah. <laughs> and evil chlorophyll it, kid. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of weird. Oh, and Agnar the Screamer. I remember reading about him in the uh, Marvel Universe stuff. Good lord, weird. Um, yeah, we we want me and Murray decided we want somebody. We need somebody to do a Angar the Screamer cosplay. That would be interesting. Yes, and that vest and the mustache and the fact that the mustache and the hair have to be different colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like weird cosmic for Daredevil, and of course, Daredevil the whole time is like, "What the hell is going on?" Wow. Because I mean, he basically at this point still too, he's kind of like. Still kind of a low-rent Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the beginning of the last issue starts with him getting tossed off a cliff by Craven the Hunter. Okay, I saw somebody mentioned him. Yeah. He doesn't show up again, at least not in this issue, but... Mm-hmm. That was like... It was kind of like he was like a Spider-Man cast-off guy. I mean, really, it wasn't until Frank Miller, I think, that Daredevil really got a completely separate identity. Yeah. I don't know the um, this Dark Messiah char- character is kind of weird too. Yeah, but they're I mean they're all kind of nuts, which is kind of funny that like the whole point was that Moon Dragon was here and she found this ally. This uh, what's his name again? Uh, Kerwin Broderick, the old guy. Yeah, yeah, to help help her. Although I'm not really sure how. And she made these, she created those three characters to help deal with Thanos. I don't know, I still don't know what she needed him for beyond Mm. finding people. I mean, it's not, she had this whole base, it's not like he funded her. Mm -hmm. All he did was basically convince her that Daredevil is evil and part of Thanos' plan and so is everyone else in San Francisco. Uh, Okay. And this dude is nuts. Yeah, he is. He's that's wild. I mean, I'm reading his little whole plan here. He's like, so I learned that Thanos was coming to take over the planet, and I thought, hey, I could take over the city. <laughs> that makes no sense. I'm gonna be king of San Francisco. Any mo- absolute monarch with absolute power. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I would love to see the what if. Like that, he took over San Francisco and killed black, yes. you know, killed the he, he, the heroes here and took over. And he's like, "I'm king!" And then Thanos wins and takes up, comes down and goes, oh, "Yeah, you're all dead. Shut up." Yeah, I. I It'd be like the it, Godzilla meets Bambi special. Yeah, that's it's this definitely uh, a very strange plot. I mean, but that part at least because it made no sense. But considering the fact that he looks, especially like on page six here. Where he says, I wanted to be king of San Francisco, an absolute monarch with absolute power. Right, right. I'm like, okay, 
That's why your plan makes no sense. Because you're nuts. Exactly. You are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, buddy. Mm Mm-hmm. And why... uh, Why... I guess because he has a bunch of money. That's why she... Moondragon went after him, I guess. I I, I still don't understand. Yeah. I mean, I've read all three before. I I have recently reread the first and second parts, and I still Mm -hmm. don't understand why she needed him. Yeah, and I've always wondered... She always seems like a... Off again, on again, bad guy too. She's on her own. I mean, she has issues. We chalked it up to PTSD, I think. Oh well, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, because she leaves. We talked. It's, it's talked about more or less issue, but basically, Thanos like bombs the hell out of Titan and takes over. That's right. So she leaves and goes to Earth to work on her genetic, her work on her, her studies, and her work on her experiments. Mm-hmm. And then she learns Thanos is coming here. Potentially. And she learns, she's like, and since the only people I knew who were opposing Thanos were on the east coast of this continent, I moved to the west coast. To okay. Be, to be there, to be, to be in secret. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like, you know, it's kind of like the Legion of Substitute podcasters, except, I mean, not podcasters, Legion of Substitute heroes. Yeah, yeah. Except them never doing anything. It's like, we're going to be here in secret to help the Legion in case anything happens. <laughs> we're just yeah. gonna make sure we are nowhere near where anything can happen. Yeah, that's true. Wait, something's happening here. We're leaving. So, and it, like I said, a lot of that stuff makes no sense because, besides the fact, why does she need him? And apparently, she has more than mental powers here because she takes away, she gives Daredevil back his sight. Yeah, I saw that. I, I, I don't know how that would even work um that doesn't really make sense to me either it's like he had all this time it's just been a mental block yeah and she cleared cleared the block yeah apparently had nothing to do with chemicals damaging his eyes yeah exactly and apparently not only does it heal his eyes but she gets rid of the lenses on them yeah i know it's like all of a sudden he's got eye holes i saw that now, granted, somebody mentions that to him later, at least. Mm-hmm. But then later on, when she takes the sight back, the little things are back on his eyes. Uh, okay. That's weird. Yeah, the last page. 32. Wow. His lens pieces are back. That's crazy. <laughs> but, like, I mean, and she, Dark Messiah, like, okay, she created him, but and she's supposed to be a geneticist, so that explains mm-hmm. how she gave these people powers. But all she does uh, okay. is... Again, she mind blasts him, and he turns back to normal. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that makes no sense to me either. Reshuffling of his intraform molecular migration, she says. Um. Okay, sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, there's a couple things with her that all my notes are just about. Uh. Okay. I mean, what's that thing about how she survived? Did you see that part, how she survives getting shot? Uh Uh-uh. Where is that? Page, the end of page 15 and beginning of page 16. Yeah, I missed that. And it's Daredevil just thinking, I mean, granted, it's just him guessing, I guess, but it's like, really, this is your guess? Mm. It says, her nervous system reacted instantly to Broderick's gun blast, but not with a panic response. Her body's so highly disciplined, it fought back instinctively and saved her life. Okay. Like, what? 
I mean, granted, it was like a ray gun, not a, you know, bullet gun, but still. Yeah. It's, yeah, every time something happens with her in this issue, my notes are just, okay. Did she, did she study some kind of freaky titanium martial arts? Oh, yeah. Okay, I thought I read, remember reading that. Yeah. At one point. She's proficient in whatever martial arts that the, they learned on Titan. Yeah. She was raised in a monastery, so of course she learned Kung Fu. Oh, well, of course, yes. Space Kung Fu. Yes, even better. Yeah, anything with space in the front of it is better. I can admit, Space Kung Fu does sound pretty cool. I mean, if they're teaching <laughs> that, I would go pay, take a class in Space yeah, Kung Fu. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> I know Space Kung Fu. It only works if I'm in, it only works if I'm weightless, but otherwise. Yeah, otherwise, yeah. You know, you get me in a, you get me in a space shuttle, kick your ass. <laughs> it's just down here with gravity, I got a problem. Yeah. This show can now be found on Stitcher. In case you don't know what Stitcher is, Stitcher is Radio On Demand, a free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discovered from 20,000 others. Available on iOS, Android, Nook, and iPad. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at Stitcher.com or in the App Store. Ramrod, what a name. (laughs) I know, and he's not that bright either. I mean, I'm looking mm-hmm. at, looking at the end where Dark Messiah blasts Black Widow and Daredevil into the wall, and he's like crushing yeah. them. And Ramrod knocks him, saves them basically, and then says, "Let's stop playing around and kill them." It's like he was killing them. Yeah, exactly. You saved their lives, dummy. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, he said right on, Spider Lady. Oh my. Yeah. <laughs> They're bad. Wow. Weird. Thou art doom devil spawn. Okay. So why did she decide that Daredevil was bad? Because that guy Broderick told her. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the best example, best answer we got. He told her he was bad. And since the people of San Francisco were cheering for him for stopping crimes, they mm-hmm. were all bad too. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, he convinced, he said, oh yeah, he works for Thanos. So he's like the Marvel equivalent of Donald Trump then. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to throw politics in there, but, you know, that makes just about as much sense. Yeah. He, well, I mean, at least it made sense for him. Hey, this yeah. lady will be in the NSA and she's powerful. Yeah, yeah he's evil. Exactly. Uh, what's that guy you said, Thanos? Yeah, he works for Thanos. <laughs> so everyone else. Uh, so, okay. Moondrag is the person whose political opinions are formed on Facebook by memes. Yeah, exactly. Wow. You know, as soon as she sees a meme, it's, oh my god, it must be true. Yes, yes. I'm not going to bother with fact-checking. Yeah. Okay, so Ramrod, he got his name from an oil rig, it says. Yeah. That's what they, they, I think in in the westerns they used to call... Um, the head guy, the foreman or whatever, they call him the Ramrod, too, I think. You know, I didn't think about that, but hold on. I'm looking up Ramrod right now and seeing what pops up. I'll be careful there. Have your Google filter on. Uh, that's true. <laughs> okay, the actual definition is, as a noun, a rod for ramming down the charge of a muzzle-loading firearm. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, verb. Force a proposed measure to be accepted or completed quickly. Hmm. They ramrod through legislation voiding the court injunctions. Okay. 
So maybe I'm I'm guessing his name might have been coming from maybe that version. Yeah. Not the uh, muzzle charge. I don't know. Maybe you could. It it kind of makes sense because it's a force. It's forcefully putting in the black powder down the cannon. I mean, I can see that. Oh yeah, that could actually work too for him. Yeah, that makes that makes kind of sense. Now, what doesn't make sense was what was what Black Widow says to him in that next panel after that one. Where they talk yeah. about the oil rig? Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh... <laughs> Did Wham watch whip on Big Quub... Bil- oh, Billy, that's a Billy Quub Quable? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's like a uh, Bugs Bunny yeah. accent. You yeah. You gotta pay for them ha-has? Oh, wow. Like I said, they're trying to... I mean, to me... I mean, I enjoy some of the stuff, and let's face it, anything that's in the... Uh, the earlier run of Daredevil, when you have Gene Colan drawing it, like in the oh, 40s yeah. 50s, is gorgeous. <laughs> but it's like they're playing him as, like like I said, low-run Spider-Man. Yeah, I agree. You know, the same bad, I mean, the same bad jokes that Spidey does. Uh-huh. I do, I do uh, love seeing those thought balloons, though. I miss those. Oh, yeah. And we get pages of thought balloons here. Oh, yeah, lots of it. Yes, King of San Francisco... Because who doesn't want to be? I, I I can't think of anybody. So well, that ha- happens quite a bit, actually. They had San Francisco during the uh, was it um, Messiah Complex and X Men books that actually w- they actually had a whole right. big force field trap- trapping San Francisco again. So that happens apparently a couple times in this town. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So did he? And during this time, did he do a lot of? Because uh, it says the next conclusion starring the sensational Captain Marvel. Did he, I guess he did a lot of team-ups in this book. They did some, but, I mean, I'm not really too much of an expert of this era of Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I don't think they did too many because he was out in San Francisco at this point, so most of Marvel was all on the East Coast. Right. So I think this was one of the few ones. Yeah. And I like the little last little last boxer, be here with a question mark. It's like, please buy this book. <laughs> Well, I don't think it's Daredevil's too far away from going bi-monthly. Yeah. Because I know it started, it was a bi-monthly book when Frank Miller started working on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember reading that in one of the omnibuses. So I think at some point in the hundreds when he becomes a, a bi-monthly. And, you know, like I said, I mean, he it, there's some fun, goofy stuff going on in Daredevil, but he really, there wasn't much about identity. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So I I mean, pulled up. And like I said, this is just, he's not a character, I mean, and there are some street-level characters that can work, I think. I mean, uh-huh. not, not everyone might like it, but there are some characters that can work with more cosmic and other types. Like, Batman is a character that I think there's virtually every genre of, like, superhero-type comics that Batman can work in. Yes, I agree. Because, I agree totally. You know, no, it depends whether you like Batman when he fights aliens, let's say, or not. But, I mean, Look, with the League and everything... You yeah. can't have Batman in the League and not have him fight aliens. That's oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, perfect example of that is uh, that first few, three or four issues of the Grant Morrison run, run where he immediately figured out that they were Martians. Oh, yeah, the White Martian story. That's one of my favorites. I need to get those. They've upgraded all those trades. I need to get those. 
I have to find those issues or buy them again in digital because yeah, I had that whole. I love that whole run. I still got that run too. So yeah, Rock of Ages is still one of like my top five JLAs. Just oh, absolutely mind-boggling, and that and the Tower of Babel storyline that Wade did is got to be my all-time favorite. Yeah, that uh, yeah, the, the definitely Rock of Ages. Yeah, Rock of Ages is, is that awesome. is my top five. Definitely Rock of Ages and the first seven issues of Just League International. Yeah, yeah. Which Batman is, that. well. and that's the other thing. Like that, it's more of a comedy. Mm-hmm. Although that, that actually, the first set were more action comedy than yeah. comedy action. But exactly. Batman again in there, you know, in a more slightly more lighthearted version. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why Batman: Brave and the Bold worked. Oh yeah, I still gotta finish that series. Even after the you know animated series and Justice League series. Yes. And those are definitely two different Batman, obviously, versions, but they still, he's like, he's a character that can work in, even like Captain America. Yeah. Because he's basically still more or less street level. I mean, he's just pretty strong, but he's not. Mm-hmm. But he can work in that. But Daredevil really doesn't work too well with, and maybe, I don't know, well, it's because they, you know, even back then, he didn't see, he always seemed out of place. Yeah. Even before they gave him the identity of now, like, since Frank Miller, of basically this kind of a pulp vigilante character. Yes. He always seems odd to me when he fights too much, you know, like low powered super characters are fine with me because that they're, they're a challenge for him. Mm-hmm. Like I know Mark Wade had him fight the spot. Yes. And that works for me because I can see you have the spot going against Spider-Man. I'm like, really? But the spot against Daredevil, it's like, OK, well, Daredevil has really no power beyond being able to see. I mean, that's his power, his radar sense. So basically, it's, that's how he sees. So basically, his power is, I have sight. Yeah. Yeah, that was a brilliant uh, episode. I mean, uh, issue. Those issues yeah. were. Um, that he, he comes up with some of the mo- most um, ingenious ways for villains to use their powers. There was, he does, he, some of his creator own stuff that's on Thrillbent. He did this one as it's uh, you know like okay irredeemable was basically a riff on Superman. Yeah. So he did this other one called um, Insufferable, where it's like the Batman Robin dynamic, where you know Robin the Robin character, which I forget what his name was in the in the in the comic. He's you know a Robin that like went public and was a sold out and. Oh, okay. I remember here. I heard something about Insufferable, but I I just knew yeah. the title. He likes that title because it wasn't there another one that he did for Boom that was like the opposite of Irredeemable, yes, and that also started like with an I. Yeah, ir- uh, Incorruptible. That's it. it. Was like the villain yes, deciding they were, basically they were tied in, Yeah, they were tied. In, they were in the same universe actually. Yeah, I read like the first dozen issues or half dozen issues of both of those. It's just yeah, you know those things like there's too much stuff out there. Yeah, exactly. I need to go back because I, bo- I like both of them, but yeah, he likes that I am whatever title. Yeah. Was like, <laughs> but in the insufferable, he had a villain use. He kidnapped a bunch of babies from a maternity ward and strapped them to his body to, for a human shield. Oh I remember, damn! I remember reading that. And I'm like, holy crap! And it, it, it's like there was notes after. It's like. So I think maybe the artist even came up with it, but it was, whoa, I can't believe what I'm seeing. You know what I mean? 
And it seems like every time I read one of his stories, he throws something out like that. And then the stuff that was done, he did in Daredevil with the, uh, with that character, um, the spot character was pretty, pretty wild. I have to admit, I won't spoil it for you if you haven't read it. No, I actually, I was planning on, I'm trying to do a reread of a lot of Marvel stuff up to Secret Wars. Ah, yeah, yeah. So that way, by the time I get to that, hopefully all of it, all Secret Wars will be on and limited. I can just burn through all that. And actually, I was thinking about like where I left off in Daredevil, and I was like, yeah, it's all there. I'm like, maybe I'll just start off issue one of the Kevin Smith run and just go all the way through that, and then yeah. <laughs> go into the Mark Wade run from there. Funny you should mention that. I tracked down that uh, thing I got from them from Marvel Unlimited. And the ad has shows all the Secret War stuff. So that should be on there now. Cool. Well, I'm talking about also the miniseries and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm a lot more likely to read something that's not that great if I'm not paying any more, if I'm not paying four bucks for each issue. Yeah, I can understand that. They got a a dollar for your first month thing going on right now. Well, if you want, I mean, I I will definitely recommend it. I might have to do that. Because there's so much stuff. There's so much stuff. I just start thinking of random things. I'm like, oh, is this not? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, this looks good. I might, I might do that. But yeah, this is like you said, it's a all over the place issue, which explains why we're all over the place. Because yeah, it's it's just weird. And like with the Daredevil, I mean, if we're, it's a weird little tie into the Thanos War because it really doesn't really have much to do with the Thanos War, except it's about somebody who was affected by it and is basically running away, which is Moon yeah. Dragon. And she makes a bunch of villains to fight a villain. That doesn't make much sense. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, yeah. I, I blame it on the fact that she seems to have PTSD based on the last issue. So I think she's That's just very easily manipulated here. And Roderick, Bro- Roderick, whatever his name is, is just mm-hmm. wacko. Yeah, that certainly looks like it. He's a, he's a kook. Now, what have you thought about the art in this issue? Uh, it seems okay. Who who's? Let's see. I have to. Don Heck that. is the penciler. Don Heck. Okay. Yeah. And actually, it was Don Heck did last issue, but it's a different inker. Yeah, the comic book DB says Don David Perlin or D dot David per- Perlin. Oh, for this issue or the last one? This one. Oh, because it, actually it says in the well, who knows? People get confused with it, but it says Sal Trap Trapini. Really? It's credited in the issue. Well, yeah, somebody must have entered it wrong then. Which happens in those things if you're doing that. Uh, who did the Yeah, exactly. Thing? Dom Perlin did do 105. Okay. And I have to say, I like the art better in 105 than in 106 if you look at them. And especially the faces. Mm-hmm. So, like, me and Murray were actually pretty impressed. Like, because Don Heck's not really known as... He's basically like a kind of journeyman. Like, he's okay, Don Heck is here. There's going to be art. It's going to be serviceable. Yeah. You know, it's not Kirby. It's not Ditko. It's not Wally Wood. You know, it's not one of the names you go, ooh. Yeah. It's just not so. It's just usually not going to be something you're going to look at and go, well, this sucks. Yeah. But we thought last issue looked pretty good. And then I'm looking at this issue. I'm going, I had a, I had a look and I went, oh, it's a different inker. Because the art quality seemed to have gone down a bit. Like, the faces all look weird. Oh, yeah. Moon Dragon looks hideous. Yeah, like, they don't really look on model. Like, it's it's fine for some of the other characters, like the random cops or the police commissioner. Mm-hmm. It's fine, because he's just a random guy. 
But, like, yeah. Daredevil and Moondragon and Black Widow just look off to me. Yeah, it looks familiar. I think I've seen other comics like that. I'm going to load up number 105 to see what you're talking about. Yeah, if, if you it'll l- actually, actually load here. Yeah, if you load that up and you just skim through real quick, just look for some close-ups on faces, and then you look up the close-ups on 106, you can definitely see a big difference, I think. Oh, yeah? Okay. All right. Yeah, my copy must be flaky, because that's just blank. Oh. Uh, oh, well. Well, I will say this. I checked, actually, all three of these are on Marvel Unlimited, if you get if you do do that thing. Yeah, I'll have to do that, actually. See if that's just... Uh, it's probably just a memory thing. Sometimes it flakes out. Ah, uh, nice. Yeah, well, it's, it might be my co- might be the copies I got. It seems like 104 doesn't work either. Oh well, uh, 103's there. Daredevil and the Black Widow. I had no idea she had a. Um, yeah, there's Ramrod again. Yep. Um, I had no idea she had a byline on the Daredevil comic. Yeah, for like I said, I'm not sure exactly how long, but for at least two years, I'd say. Wow, I had no idea. Roughly. It was Daredevil and the Black Widow, so. Yeah, number 90, she's in it, but it just says the man with Daredevil, the man without fear. Very interesting. I had no idea. I knew she they were involved, but. Yeah, this is a big level of involvement. I would say, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not just you want to go out or you want to live together. It's, hey, do you want to share a cover you want to share the title cover? Title credits? That's a, that is a big commitment right yeah, there. I know. And, of course, it goes, I think it, within a few issues, it's gone. It's back to Daredevil. Because within a few issues, she will... Yep. One... Ten. She's on the cover in a little circle, but her name's not on there anymore. Yeah. So, in a few issues, it's over. Yeah, she said... Yeah, she it's calls her a uh, guest star. Now the next one, one eleven, shows Shanna the Sea De- She Devil as a guest star. Interesting, very interesting. Matt Murdock does not waste time. Yeah, he's a player by all means. He is. I mean, it's funny if you don't you don't really think about it, but like Daredevil and Wolverine got around. They did. They certainly did. I mean, they were involved with everybody. Oh my goodness! Yeah, definitely. I wonder if like Kazar doesn't like Daredevil because of that. Probably might be. I don't know. You know, they team up and they're like, "Hey, Shanna, like, get away from my wife." Yeah, no kidding. Huh? Interesting. Night Nurse probably saw Daredevil the most. You know, <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, I need some penicillin again." Yeah, it's like Hawkeye too. In that Mad Fraction run. Was it Matt Fraction? Anyway, I think it was. Oh, the the last one. Yeah, not the one with Lemire, but the one before that. Yeah, I think it's that, was, like, that was Fraction when he was Hawk guy. Yeah, so Black Widow again, and then Spider Woman, and of course his ex wife. Yeah, Mockingbird. Exactly, um, and then that Kate, which you know, is probably she's pretty young, so I don't know. That's yeah, I'm pretty right. sure, probably not. Although I'm fairly certain they've established she, she's eighteen. Eighteen. Okay. Well, that's. I think that was established for young little, A little better. I'm just going with the fact that she's not illegal. Exactly. You know, she's not jailbait. Yeah, that would be bad. She's just, you know, bad taste. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, it's, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it, you know, in several years when she's a little, you know, I mean, it's Marvel time, but still in a couple years when she might be like a year or two older. 
mm-hmm. and been around for longer that we could. See, I, I wouldn't be surprised if something happened. Yeah, that makes sense. Because they did have them flirting a bit, but they never did anything. I mean, he as no. a fraction ball, he had them flirting a bit. They never did anything beyond like fun flirting. Like there was nothing serious. No, there wasn't, and it turned bad pretty quickly. Yeah, well, everything there that that was a fun book though. I think that's all yeah. on there too. Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got the omnibus of that. That's awesome stuff. Oh yeah, that was a great book. That was like one of the few Marvel books I was still buying monthly. Yeah, I did too. I loved it because it was the same on the same vein as that Iron Man, uh, not Iron Man, Iron Fist running did. I have I oh yeah, that was such a good book, and I cannot wait. I hope they do a good job with the Iron Fist series because that that is, I think, one of my favorite Marvel characters. I I was. I am looking forward to that. I was so excited in Daredevil when that first season when they were she revealed it was called Steel Serpent. Exactly. And I'm like, I know what Steel Serpent is. Yes, exactly. I'm I like, know, she's from Cut One. Yeah, the uh, symbol on the on the drugs. I knew it. Saw it immediately. Yeah, and uh, and the fact that it has Shang Chi in it. Oh, absolutely. He's awesome. Now, what I'm really hoping. Because they had that whole hubba baloo with you know who they cast as Daredevil. I mean, sorry. Um, Iron Fist? Yeah. You know, about the fact that he was a white guy? Well, he was a white guy in the comics. No, yeah. Hello. Hello? And, yeah, exactly. Can you hear me? Yeah, well... Yeah, I can okay. hear you. You said hello, hello. I wasn't sure if that was you being sarcastic about something? Or no, I was being me? sarcastic, sorry. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, yeah, he's a character that really, you kind of could change, although I find it funny, like, well... Why are you saying he has to be Asian because he knows martial arts? Not every Asian person does know martial arts. I mean, yeah. why weren't you complaining that Daredevil is white? I mean, Daredevil could have been Hispanic. There's no reason. Nothing in Daredevil's character says he has to be a white guy. But I will say that I think Iron Fist should, as long as they do go close enough to the original stuff where him and Luke Cage, I don't want them to have a season two of their shows. I want season two for them to be Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Oh yeah. Because, well, they're going to do the defenders anyways. So. Yeah, but I want the two. I want one with the two of them. I because those two guys aren't friends, and they're not yeah. partners. They're family. Exactly. And that's why I think he needed to be white because you need. It's not. It's a. It's the two. I mean, it was bent a little more heavy handed, but it was originally done in the seventies. Mm-hmm. But you got this wealthier white guy and the street level, you know, the street tough black guy, mm-hmm. and they become family to each other. Yeah, and in, especially in that time when it came out. So I think it works better if they are, again, that way. So actually, he's one of the, like, there's a lot of characters I'll say, okay, you know what? They don't actually don't have to be this color. They mm-hmm. could be a little more, you know, like, if you're casting in the movie, you could do it. Like I said, you could have gotten a Hispanic guy to play Daredevil. It really wouldn't have affected anything. Yeah, yeah. But for Iron Fist, I think he does need to be because if you're going to do that. Now, if they're not going to do anything like that with, with Luke Cage, then yeah, it wouldn't have mattered what his, you know, they could have made any other ethnicity. True. But if they're going to do that with Luke Cage, then yeah, he should be. Mm-hmm. Because you're basically taking the two, the representations, when you think of race relations, those are the two biggest ones you think of, black and white. Exactly, yeah. And doing something with it. Yep. So I hope they do something with that. And like I said, that'd be my, that'd be the greatest thing if issue, season two is Power Man and Iron Fist. And that would be great. I mean, if they don't call him Power Man, you know what I mean. Yeah, well, yeah, they could be in each other's show. Yeah, or even just, like I said, I want them to both have a team show together. I want a Heroes for Hire team book. Uh, that, 
you know, forget season two of Iron Fist, forget season two of Cage, put them together. Yeah, that would be good. I would love, I would like that. I really would. And would it be could great. be so much fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because that could be the one that on the Netflix that still has its serious stuff, but it has the more fun part. Because the two of them is, the two of them are hilarious together. Yeah, yeah. I've I mean, got... Vic are like siblings. Yeah, I've got... I didn't read much of that when it was out, but I've got... They've um, did a volume one epic collection that has the, the first, you know, bunch of that, and they're coming out with a volume two, so I'll make sure to get that. I need to... I've got the... the the Iron Fist one, which was awesome. They a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, read it, and I just need to read that one because I've only got. I've actually got, still got some of those. I've picked up those issues off and on just because that's cool. The cool uh, combo. Yeah, I've read a bunch of the stuff. I have to go back and read it again at some point or read more of it. But I read a lot of that stuff where the two of them started working together. Yeah, exactly. So basically, when they realized Iron Fist isn't selling. And neither really is Cage. Mm-hmm. Let's put yeah. them together and see if that works. Let's see that if the was, 20 people who are reading both books will buy them. We'll get 40 people to read it. That was, uh, that was brilliant, I have to say. It was the dawn of the third age of comics, 15 years after the rise of the Comics Code Authority. The Bronze Age was a dream given form. Its goal? To portray superheroes in a way that was socially relevant by tackling real-world issues. It's a catch-all, a place to explore monsters, demons, gunslingers, gods, and superheroes alike. Writers and artists wrapped in house styles of sophisticated realism, creating the stuff of legends. There is no assurance of quality, but it's our last best hope for comic books. This is a retrospective of the true golden age. The year is 1970. The name of the podcast, Uncovering the Bronze Age. Tune into our feed for regular content at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. Also home to the Quarterbin Podcast and the Shortbox Showcase. All right. Well, I'm thinking we don't have much more to say about this issue because we keep going off of it. Yeah. <laughs> There's it's, – It's It's weird. all over the place. You got two or three – you got three different villains doing stuff and things and – and then you have one villain who has nothing to do with it even. He's just driving. Yeah, he's he stays around longer than the other two because I've heard of him. Yeah, Angar is still around, or at least he was. The last time I remember seeing him was, and I'm talking about the original series, Thunderbolts number one. Oh, was he one of them? No, he wasn't one of them, but Songbird used to be screaming Mimi. Oh, that's right. And she was working with him, and I think he was either captured or shot or killed or something when Baron Zemo recruited her to be in the Masters of Evil. You know, which, so that I don't know. I'm sure he, he probably wasn't dead, dead. Who knows? But that's the last time I remember seeing him. But still, we're talking mm-hmm. 96, 97. Yeah, yeah. And this is 73, so he's he lasted at least two decades. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I remember reading about him in uh, uh, those Marvel Universe uh, handbooks. Yes, that's the first place I saw him, too. And I never he- heard of the other two. I've never seen them before. No, I don't think they've done much of them. Or the movies. three, the other three, the Ramrod and oh, Terrax. Terrax. I thought that was the 
Galactus. Uh, Herald of Gal- yeah, when I actually, saw the name on there. Well, actually, it's slightly different. That th- this one is Terex with an E X yeah. at the end. The other one's Terax with an A X at the end. Yeah, that, it's kind of like saying no, it's Frankenstein. Yeah, exactly. Not Frankenstein. And uh, <laughs> the uh, what was this other guy's? The Dark Messiah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Plus, Angar has even been on TV. He's on the. Uh, he was on this. I think it was this season of Agents of Shield. Really? See, I'm way behind on that. I haven't watched any of the second season or whatever season they're on. The new uh, season three. Well, it's three. all on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean to get to it. And I wanted to watch Agent Carter too. I don't think I finished the second season to tell you the truth. Yeah, that I finished, and that's over now anyway. But I'm sure that's probably going to be on Netflix or something soon. Yeah, yeah, it will be. Just like Flash, Supergirl, and Arrow will be. Yeah, I heard about that deal that they made. Which I'm happy about, because I got so, with moving, when I moved late last year, I kind of, after the first few episodes of bo- all three, for all three of those shows, I missed the rest of the season of those. Yeah. So I'm just now, instead of trying to find, find them somewhere, I'm just going to wait till they're on Netflix. Yeah, because I'm still going through Supergirl. Yeah, I, like I said, I didn't get, I, I barely got to the reveal of who uh, Henshaw is. Yeah. And Flash and Arrow made like the first five episodes, so I'm just gonna wait and catch them on yeah, Netflix. That's a good idea. I mean, Legends of Tomorrow I was able to get, but that, that's because it started this year. Yeah, that was that's really cheesy, but I hear they're changing a lot of things around. Did you get to the end? Not yet. Oh yeah, stuff happens though. I mean, now, it's a little I'll cheesy, be... but stuff does happen, and I yeah. now can't read Captain Cold without hearing that guy's voice. Yeah, I'd have to agree. He does a good job, even though his, he's he's putting a little bit of the uh, mustache twirling into it. But he's, like, having fun with uh, Yeah, but for some reason, the way he does it, I still like. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He does a good job. And I think it's because the two of them, him and Heatwave, did so well playing Brothers on Prison Break. Yeah, I never watched that, but I knew they'd done it together. They play so well off each other now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they yeah. do. I could tell. But, yeah, wait till you get to the end of the season. It's... Stuff happens. I'm looking forward to it. How far are you in on that show? I think about half. Okay. I don't really remember what episode I'm on. I need to... I've been working too much. I need to catch up on my TV. Yeah, that's what I'm doing this week when I... Since I have no one else to share the TV with. I just spent like... <laughs> yeah, Sunday and Monday, yeah. I watched like five or six hours total on each each night of like uh, Justice League. There you go. Going that's through that series again. Oh, yeah. That was such a good cartoon. I need to watch that again, too. And now, and then yesterday I was trying to catch up on Preacher. Yes, I've got those. I'm trying to see if I like it. Yeah, I like the first one. I haven't watched any of the rest. The one I'm really liking, though, that uh, it's another, um, God, I keep drawing blanks, Walking Dead creator, Robert Kirkman. Yes. Another book of him called Outcast is on Cinemax. Oh, really? Oh, really? Don't, Don't ask me how I got that, but... He, uh, it's a, it's about his, the comic outcast and they're doing the same thing with walking dead. Cause I've read the first volume on the comicsology unlimited. Um, it's just different enough where you could read and watch and not be spoiled too much, but it's about a guy that's been plagued by demonic possession all his life. And yeah, I, I read the first issue. I remember that. Yeah, it is scarier than Walking Dead, I think. 
maybe because I've read so much Walking Dead, or I mean, the people are the only scary thing in Walking Dead anymore. The zombies just like you know they're not unless there's thousands of them, they're not as scary to me as the people. <laughs> well, that's always I mean that's the whole thing from George Romero. Yeah, exactly. It's always I mean the zombies are never a problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you watch any like Romero's, at least the ones I remember seeing from Romero's movies, especially the original trilogy, yeah, the zombies aren't the problem mm-hmm. because they're. I mean, yeah, they're out there, but they're very easily dealt with. Mm-hmm. It's the fa- the only reason everyone keeps dying is because everyone keeps screwing each other over. Exactly, because they're stupid and petty. Yeah. So, yeah, I tried that out because I knew he did it, and it was on Cinemax, so I knew it would be you know a little different. Um and wow, what great acting! And they got Brent Spiner playing the bad guy. Oh, I have to look for this. This is once that's see maybe they put it on something like Netflix or yeah. Um, it Amazon it is, something. It is a good show. The acting in it is awesome. Uh, Brent Spiner is the only person I know, any actor that I recognize. The rest of them I've never seen before. Um, I love the fact that we live in a time where. There's enough stuff based on comics, yeah, that you can actually go. Oh yeah, I didn't watch that one, or eh, I don't feel like watching that one. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to we have one show, we should watch it. So hopefully, maybe they'll make a second. Exactly. Yeah, I'm still shocked they even made Supergirl. To tell you the truth. Well, yeah. Even though it's not, uh, you know, uh, it got canceled, sort of. Yeah, but it's back. Um, It'll be back. Yeah, I know. It's going to be on another sh- on the other, so that that'll be good. And that's one thing I'm happy about cuz my only issue with uh, DC not the DC shows not being together mm-hmm. is that I knew as soon as especially as soon as they said that and they said, "Oh, but we're not going to the Arrow and Flash can't use Batman or Superman at all." They can't even mention them. Right. I'm like, "Oh yeah, second class shows." And as soon as the movie's coming out, watch if they're worried about diluting their audience, they're going to try and cancel the shows. Yeah, exactly. Because they want to focus on the movie because that's where the big jumble bucks are right away. And did you and, read about – oh, go ahead. But now the fact that Supergirl is going to be there with them, even though it's mm-hmm. not in the same world, it's going to be on the same network, maybe we actually have a chance of having something with Arrow. And... Yeah. Did you read about the news about Constantine? Oh, uh, what about – I heard saw something, but I didn't have a chance to read it. What is he going to be – is he coming back? I didn't read any details, but they plan on having him be involved in all the shows. Well, I mean, he was an Arrow. I yeah. know. I did. I did see that episode of the season that he was in that one. I read that they did the same thing. They're doing the same thing with Captain Cold. That he's going to be a recurring character on all of those, those shows. Ah, inter- that's interesting. So, so every time they have a magic thing, he'll show up. Well, that's cool. Which makes perfect sense. Well, does that mean maybe we'll finally get the result? Maybe we'll get the Spectre. Who knows. Because you, you watched it, Constantine. Right? Did you watch Constantine? Oh, yeah, I watched every episode. I love that show. So, yeah, see, yeah, because I, I, I was just waiting for the Spectre. I was like, holy crap, we're going to get the Spectre. Yeah, when the Helmet of Fate was in there in that place, and, yeah, that that was good stuff, really good stuff. All right, so we're on to the Friends and Enemies section. So anyone who doesn't know about that, this book we're reading came out in December, had a cover date of December 1973. So we're going to give you a brief description of the Marvel books that also had a publication date of December 73 that either Adam or Thanos have appeared in before and we've covered on this show. So first off, we have Avengers, where is that? Avengers 118, which is the last part of the Avengers Defenders War. 
So you want any more on that? Go listen to episode 33 where we covered that. And Chris, you're next. Okay, uh, next up we have Fantastic Four number 141 by Jerry Conway, John Buscema, and John, hopefully I said that right, and Joe Sano, I guess that's how you pronounce it. The end of the Fantastic Four. Annihilus has captured the FF and the diabolical nature of his plans is finally coming to light. Before the day is done, Reed must make a decision that no father should be forced to make. And that's from the, it'll be, that's covered in a Fantastic Cast episode number 167. Yeah, that's why I forgot to mention to you, I put that in there, so good catch that's on fine. that. Yeah, no but problem. Yeah, so if anyone wants a full detail of that issue, that's where you go. And then you have one other one, right? Yep. Uh, next up after that is Incredible Hulk number 170 by Chris Claremont. I didn't know he wrote Hulk. That's yeah, I was surprised by that too. It's like just the one issue it looks like. Huh, okay. This is right before he started doing X-Men, and he knew he was floating around the Marvel offices doing stuff, huh. so he might have been their filling guy. Yeah. Chris Claremont, Herb Tramp, and Jack Abel, Abel, excuse me, duh, I should have said that right off. Uh, death from on high. Hulk and Betty have escaped the floating city of the Bi-Beast, only to find themselves stranded on a desert isle. They, there they must struggle to, be, to come to terms with each other and the island's strange inhabitants. Well, that's... That sounds like a reality show almost. I think I've read that one. And I think they end up meeting a crazy Captain Nemo-like guy who created a shark man. Yeah. It's weird. Cool. We also have Iron Man 65 by Mike Friedrich, George Tusca, and Mike Esposito. The cutting edge of death. Iron Man's battle of Dr. Spectrum rages, and before long, many of the good Doctor's secrets will be revealed. Meanwhile, in an effort to win back Pepper's affections, Happy makes a fateful decision. That's the actual word. Mm, interesting. <laughs> and finally, we have the last one, and you're going to be very happy I didn't give, give you this one because of the title. Oh, okay. Thor number 218 by Jerry Conway, John Basima, and Jim Mooney. Where past the black stars, there also passes death. Ooh, I, got, I said that more easier than I thought. Mm. It's just one hell of a long title. Yeah, it is. That is a long one. Asgard has been retaken, and Odin returned to the throne. But the shadow of doom is never far from the realm eternal. Before the dust settles, Thor must venture to the home of Tana Nile to face a new and insurmountable threat. I gotta say, I love the Bronze Age. Every title of an issue ends with an exclamation point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's awesome. Like, everyone's important. Yes. Yes, that's good stuff. It's fun. Back in episode 39 and 42, I've started giving thanks out to people who liked our page on Facebook. I wanted to continue doing that, but Facebook has cunningly made it that it's almost impossible to find out who has liked your page. So until I'm able to figure out how to, you know, get into that impenetrable mess, we're going to skip over Facebook for now and go to people who have liked our page on Tumblr. So this should be entertaining because unlike on Facebook, it really doesn't have real names. So... Let's have some fun with this. Today, we like to thank the Tumblr users who have liked our page, Resurrections Adam Warlock, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com, and today we are thanking Sinks Magoo, Chris Dine, Castlin Hortsen 6B809, Zagus, that's Zagus with a Z, not Vegas, and Local Jersey Music Blog. Thank you, guys. 
All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. So, Chris, thank you for your time. Oh, thanks for inviting me. I appreciate it's been it. Been fun. Yeah. Sure. Unfortunately, this wasn't a great issue. Well, that's all right. That makes it more fun. Yeah, and it, it, it kind of. I figure either it's a really good issue you talk all about that, or it's so bad you kind of drift off into other comics. Yeah, that's true. Either way, it's talk about comics. I mean, yes, that's if you're listening all to a comic podcast, you kind of have to like that somewhat. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Or you're obsessed with me. <laughs> and it's the only two reasons anyone would listen to this. Yeah. So, either way, hopefully they like that. Yeah. And remind people where else they can find you and where they can where they can look to find that. Um. Well, let's see. We have our own podcast called uh, Tales from the Long Box Podcast. Um. At Tales from the slash the show. I also have a blog in there, but I I don't ever get a chance to uh, write it anymore. Uh, just way too busy. But uh, we've been uh, going for several years now. I think our last episode was number two hundred and fifty-eight. We've been doing it every week uh, since around the new fifty-two started. So uh, and I'll get two thousand eleven. Yeah, that's been a while. So yeah, we've been we're a little over five years now. I think it'll be actually it'll be five years this September. Actually. Oh wow! Yes, and that's I was right. look, looking. You're right. Look at my iPod. Uh, your last episode is two fifty eight. Spotlight on DC Comics Nightwing Rebirth. Yes, I kind of rambled on a little bit about that. I'm a big Nightwing fan, but um, it is a it's one of our better episodes. I, I really got into it, and uh, we got to talking about Nightwing, and there was I spouted off a bunch of trivia about Nightwing that the other two didn't know about. So it was a good episode. Cool. I enjoyed it. We all had fun. Well, that's the important thing. Exactly. I mean, otherwise, why the hell are we doing this? Exactly, yep. All right, well, I'm glad you had fun. If there's a chance, I might, you know, things work out, I'll probably beg you to come on again some other point. That'd be great. We need to have you on, too. I have, I'm always for that. That's it for that's it for um, Chris, and you'll hear more about Tales from Lombox in case you forgot next time, because we're going to have, there are three people on that show. There's Murray Fox, who we had on last time, Chris Mosby, and then next episode, we have Caleb Gerard will be here with us to finish off this story, this weird Daredevil story with Daredevil 107. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peacelovproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page.